as a child. Hello, slimesters and ghouloids, and welcome to another Nightmares as a Child segment. I'm your ghoulish host, Brett. And today, do I have a tale for you? It's actually one of the scarier ones from the deeper, darker recesses of my mind that has left me traumatized for not years, but decades. I'm talking about the tale of the bookish babysitter, and you'll find out what exactly scared me to death when I first saw it back in 1994. It all started one day when I came home from school with my friend Ryan. We had nothing better to do, and we decided to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, it turned out that Betty Ann was telling her tale tonight, and it was about books coming to life using the power of imagination. What we were to find out was a lot more than what Ricky Winter's imagination could handle, who was the main character of this story. There's this babysitter named Belinda who's rather eccentric, rather odd looking. She's kind of like Little Red Riding Hood, except all dressed in black and bangs so sharp you can cut butter with them. <laughs> and she ends up babysitting this couch potato who really doesn't want anything to do with books. So she takes that upon herself as a challenge to try and steer him more towards reading. She starts off by giving him a book and he begins to read it. And as he reads it, things start to happen behind him in his very house. We, the audience, see this like gnarly, nasty hand that comes out of, uh, up from behind the corner of his house. Not the mill. We also hear like battle sounds and like sword clangs and fighting. And we're wondering where that's coming from. Could the book be coming alive as he's reading it? So when we see Ricky run away from the babysitter, essentially because he's disinterested and bored by her stories, she warns that he, he shouldn't go out there, but he doesn't take her warning seriously. In a few moments, he goes into his room to play with some sort of electronic video game. And before you know it, there's a knight who slashes right into his feather pillow, slashing it straight in half. And immediately he leaps right out of his room and into the hallway, only to be greeted by one hell of a sight. <laughs> one that scared me half to death when I saw it. So there's this ghost that's part of the story and he's all in this like, wispy blackness that's covering him. It looks like black smoke, essentially, that's emanating from his body. He has this like contorted long face with like facial hair, kind of like me, believe it or not. And he's just like constantly agonizing and moaning pain. And he's just floating from the end of the hallway towards Ricky as he's being cornered by it. And he's totally, totally terrified. Like that he immediately went pale the moment he saw this ghost. And to get away from him, he shut the doors on him while he was trying to rationalize or reason with Belinda, like what's going on, what's happening. But <laughs> that's not actually Belinda. It's actually the witch in disguise who put a curse on that ghost, doomed to wander the planet forever, separated from its body. Things are getting really interesting here as the story is starting to take over Ricky's house and he doesn't know what to do except flee to the basement with his babysitter. Down there, he, he is forced to use his imagination in order to get out of this pickle. 
before he has sliced and diced to pieces or engulfed by the wispy darkness of that ghost body or even devoured by that disgusting witch. He decides he's finally ready to read Belinda's book and he opens it. He begins reading and immediately he's just transformed into the, the castle tomb where he has to confront the knight that he saw earlier yet again. And in doing so, he realizes that the symbol on his shirt allows him to, you know, reach this like agreement with the knight that, oh, he's the chosen one. He's meant to show it away, you know, for the ghost to, so that he can reunite with his body in the tomb, which he ends up doing. And it's all very glorious and wonderful. And the story ends up ending where Ricky's just fully immersed in it and like, you know, in a pose like this where he's bowing to the king, ready to give him his sword from the knight. But I didn't interpret it that way as a six-year-old back in 1994. No, when I watched this with my friend Ryan, all I could think about with my overactive imagination and child brain was, ah, that ghost is going to come out of the TV and like loom over me and like suffocate me with his like black wispiness and engulf me. Ah! And so immediately I jumped behind the couch in the living room and just like, you know, quivered behind there waiting until the coast was clear based on Ryan's signal. And he's like, dude, you can come out now. I don't know why he wasn't scared. I don't know. Maybe he's just hard to scare but for me for me that was frightening like just the idea of tall figures with strange looking bodies and contorted faces that don't even speak they just emanate noise and you don't know what they're going to do to you i think that really feeds into the fear of the unknown and plays with your your own you know deeper darker recesses of your mind and for a while i forgot about it you know, ended up watching other Nick shows and all that stuff. But <laughs> apparently it affected me way more than I realized because I started having nightmares of this guy. The kind of nightmares where you think you're awake in your real room, but you're not. You're dreaming in the exact same space. And you see this door slowly creak open at like 3 a.m. <laughs> And you don't really hear any sound, but you're wondering what's coming. And all you can see is like darkness fill your room from where the light is emanating from the moonlight outside from the doorway. And you don't know what to do. You don't know what's happening. And you're afraid to look this guy at like point blank with his like moaning face. And you're just trapped in a corner in your bed, especially if you're in a bunk bed. There's no way out there unless you have like a knife on your pillow so you could stab it. <laughs> ah, and oh man, you don't know how many times I've had these dreams of that guy, even in different locations. Like back then when I first saw the episode in high school, when I had to like work up the courage just to watch the episode again on my computer, you know, even in college out of the blue, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it or doing anything related to Are You Afraid of the Dark? And yet, like in the dead of night, something similar would just happen again, where the door would open slightly and he would just float out and like look for me and stare at me and like just just like really 
instill as much fear as possible in me to the point where I couldn't breathe. <laughs> like that's how I felt in that moment. He even had like this weird glowing green behind him uh, on some occasions. And I never fully understood why it kept bothering me so much, even though I've seen the episode many times since then and have like been a little bit more desensitized to it. Even even when I was with, you know, my girlfriend at the time in 2017, I would still have that same thing where like, it didn't matter what bedroom I was in, at what time point in time in my life, there was always that just repeat pattern in my brain of like a door like slowly opening with like barely any sounds, just like a hint of a creak. And then just like this big tall shadow floating in with a frozen look on his face. Just being like, oh, and you just feel cornered and you, you didn't know what to do. I, I like, what can you do? It's he's a ghost. You can't like go through him. You can't punch him. The only and your only way of escape is blocked by him. It's scary when you think about it. But it, it definitely helped to revisit and reframe the episode and like kind of work through my fears by doing art. Um, so what you're about to see on the screen is actually a comic that I did back then after, shortly after I had that nightmare. Um, and, you know, kind of applying what I did with the renegade virus where I injected humor into the situation to kind of diffuse his, his like grip on me. I did this comic where he's like moaning again over my bed and, and you know, my, my character in the comments is like, hold up, <laughs> you've been taunting me, you've been terrorizing me for years, decades even, doing the same old thing every single time. What is your deal? <laughs> and he just finally responded, well, I was just asking if you had some painkillers. I have a lot of back problems and I need some help and no one seemed to like help me when I go near it. And Somehow when I reframe it like that as just an ordinary guy versus like a ghost who wants to kill me, it doesn't seem that bad. So I just gave him like some, you know, ibuprofen and he went right on his way and he smiled. And <laughs> just thinking about the comic makes me a lot happier. So uh, goes to show you like how, how powerful emotions can be. And if you let them like overtake you and especially if they're unresolved, it can lead to a lot of like trauma psychological trauma that could affect your ability to sleep or even function during the day. And, uh, you know, just by combating with like humor really does seem to help you take, take yourself out of the situation. I, I'm, I'm just thankful I was able to have that kind of tactic to deal with it or else I'd still be like seeing him in my nightmares at the dead of night tonight. Um, it's, it's just a very simple, visual yet it's striking doesn't have to like have an ulterior motive doesn't have to have this grandiose scheme doesn't even have to talk he's just a guy writhing in pain with like really gross sharp fingernails and pale white skin and a very long face Ooh. and like just covered in all this like black wispy like tool fabric and there you go you got nightmare fuel for for as long as it like sticks in your your mental engine <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's my encounter with the King's Ghost from the Bookish Babysitter. I think overall, 
understanding a lot of our fears does a lot to diminish their power over us. And if you get anything out of this video, whether it's scary or not to you, hopefully you have some like psychological tools to handle with your own demons if you have to face them. So that's why I'm sharing that story with you tonight. I'm not sure if I'm what I'm going to do for the next ones, but I may just hand over the midnight dust to a couple of friends uh, and see what kind of stories they have to share for our Slimesters and Gagoids. If you want to be one of the people featured on Nightmares as a Child, just email us at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. Let us know your 90s nostalgia related nightmare. It doesn't even have to be Nickelodeon re related. And uh, if we like it enough, send us a video of you talking about it, as long as it's well lit. <laughs> and uh, we'll feature you on a future episode and I'll take care of the editing. All you have to do is record yourself. All right, guys, I'm going to douse this campfire and head on home. And hopefully, hopefully I don't run into any ghosts as I'm making my way back because it's, uh, it's kind of dark out. <laughs> All right. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Splat you later. Ah! Oh, that's wet. idea what you're reading, did you? Forget the stupid books.